Today's guest is one of my very best friends. And she didn't know she was going to be today's guest because she just came over to the house because we were going to pray and talk about our lives and about this wonderfully cool project that God is allowing us to do together called Firebrand Events, which we will tell you much more about later on down the road. But I knew when she came over, she was going to be today's guest. And and I just asked her like seconds ago, is that okay? And she said yes. So today's guest is my friend Lisa Kyle. And as this show unfolds, I'm just going to ask her different questions so that you can learn more about her, get to know her better. And what you will see, I believe, is the glory of God, the redemption of God, and the power of God in Lisa's story. How's that for an intro? Is that good? That was amazing. Okay, thanks. See how affirming she is. <laughs> That's why she's my friend. Oh, um, Any time with Lisa is a sweet time. Aw, so thank thanks for you. just bringing out the best in everyone around you. Oh, stop! Even the listeners, <laughs> everyone listening to this right now goes, "Thank you, Lisa, for oh, just encouraging us and seeing us and talking to us." And we just can't wait for what you're going to say next because it's surprising <laughs> always. <laughs> And I love that. Me too. I'm surprised too. But we know that about you. We know that about you. And that's what makes this a fun journey together because we are walking through unknowns every single day of our life. And you give us the confidence and encouragement and we laugh together and we cry through it. So we're, we're doing that together. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you for, you know, being kind and saying those words. I feel like you just poured on top of me love. Thank you. And and thank you. Lisa listens to the show just like you. She listens really regularly and she'll text me some days like, oh, my goodness, when you said that with Carrie or, oh, my word, Julie Thomas, you just blew my mind or Rebecca Carroll, thank you for what you just did. She'll always like send us texts and and Lisa's such an encouragement. Uh, Lisa's possibly, and I I'm, I know I'm prone to overstatement and I, I definitely like, you know, um, superlatives, but she's like the most rare person I've ever met in my life. I mean, for reals. The more I get to know Lisa, the more I'm like, oh my word, I just want to run with this girl all the time. And um, as she knows, like when I first met her, I was pretty intimidated by her because she's cool. She's super cool and gifted. But then as time went on and we began to show each other more of our brokenness, our relationship began to bond more. And so I wanted her to tell you part of her story just to give her some space. That's what this show is about. This show is about giving space to people so they could tell their story. And that's what, make this, that's what makes this show good. That's what makes this show important. That's what makes this show worthy of your ears. It's other people's stories. And so, you know, Lisa, um, where would you like to start? You know, what I find fascinating about Lisa is, I mean, her husband, she and her, she and her husband are so cool and hot and excellent and awesome and their kids are so amazing and you think oh she was born with a golden spoon in her mouth I mean look at her I mean la da da and then when you hear a story I mean literally I'm like what wait what how did your life start so do you mind sharing a little bit of your story is that okay everything I just said absolutely it's okay I said you and your husband are hot I love it my husband is hot (laughs) he's very very hot is this a PG? Is this a PG thirteen? I know I'm weird. Show. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're just beautiful people, but not. I'm not just inside and out. So, so how did it all begin? What do you feel comfortable sharing? I feel like I could share everything. Why I have no reason to hide anything. I want to be transparent. I want to be um, including every person in my life. That's the, the biggest challenge I have. Is often people perceive me as a person who doesn't. Um, uh, 
why are you too happy? Um, you have everything together. You're you are high efficient at so many things. So then, who really are you? Are you masked? Are you not? And that's my biggest goal. Is I really feel compelled to try to be as real as I can be. And I hope to let people feel comfortable around me so that I can come alongside them and just say, how are you today? And really mean that. We really believe Lisa's ministry is come alongside. I mean, that is so much of what she does in uniting people to seek God as a group and as a team. She creates Bible studies and she has people in her home all the time. Our, all of us who are friends are always like, wait, what are you doing now? She's like, oh, I've got 30 people coming over tonight. And we're like, wait, what? <laughs> like she's, she's definitely a come alongside her. So that's cool to hear you articulate that. And I've seen this in Lisa's life more and more over the past several months, you know, the past year, year and a half, where she's become more open and more transparent. And and even when I felt, found out more of her story, um, others said, oh yeah, we knew that about Lisa. So I know you have shared publicly and privately. So feel free for the person who doesn't know you, what would you like them to know about um, your childhood? So when I was uh, brand new into the world, I was adopted at six weeks old. And um, that began um, just the life that I was going to begin to live out. And I moved into a adopted home of um, a dad and a mom and two brothers. And there was a lot of um, beginnings that just happened naturally. This was my home. This was my family. But early, early on, um, just the... I don't want to say the word dysfunction because we have all dysfunction, um, but just the dynamics of the house. Um, I knew early on that I did not belong in this family. I was told you're not a part of this family. I was told, you know, I was adopted or I even looked physically very different. I have more of an auburn hair, hazel eyes. They were very pale and dark um, hair. So from the very beginning, I knew from early on I did not belong. It makes me mad. I feel anger right now. Just I want to, I don't know. I want to yell and scream at them. Like, why'd you do that to her? Why'd you do that to her? But that's just where they were. And that's that. And so, and so that's your story of how things started. I think so often all of us have to kind of go in through our childhood stories and go as an adult, look back at a different lens. But when you're in it and that's all you know, you begin to be shaped by that. And so as my years of abuse and all the things that happened in my childhood, sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, just isolation and the belief of I don't belong began to be the roots of who I was. And so, but I remember early on that I believed that there was a bigger purpose in my life and you just knew that in, in your soul, in your little heart, your little five and six and seven-year-old heart? I did. And and I didn't know what it meant. I think it really catapulted me to endure and believe, even though life moved on. There was like, you know, fast days but long years. So even though my life didn't change overnight um, and I went through a couple years of foster care systems. What what year did that start? You know, I, and this is me picking apart your story because I want to know more details personally, but when did you leave that home where there was all of this abuse and begin the foster process? Well, when I was f- first taken out of my home because of sexual abuse, um, I went to the adoptive mother who actually divorced the adoptive father when I was three. So I have no memory of her. But I went to live with her and my two brothers. They're, they're her two biological children. And she lived in low-income housing. She had struggled with mental illness, which I was not fully aware of what that meant. But what I did see in this woman was she was emotionally unstable. She was raging. She was um, violent and would have tantrums. And I remember as an 11-year-old being really overwhelmed by that. And I thought to myself, this is not about me. This is about her. But she's my full dependent line. She's the one that I have to depend on for my my safety. This is you at 11 processing this? 
I was, yes. And my my adoptive brothers, one of them had already had a record of um, inappropriate behavior that has kind of passed on. They, they call it generational sin, but his birth father had really passed on some inappropriate sexual behaviors. And so he'd already been experiencing that. So we were sort of outcast within the housing community that we were living in. So I was embarrassed. It was amazing to be already aware of being embarrassed of an action that I did not believe in or could not support or did not understand. It's amazing how that was another voice in my head that I was embarrassed. Was it shame or was it fear or was it, it was embarrassment? Um, I would say it was embarrassment because as I considered the neighbors around me, I I was embarrassed to be affiliated with the the brokenness of my family unit. So again, I see the theme, which is helping me understand my friend better, of not feeling like you belong. This this deep I don't belong from the very beginning in your adoptive home, and now with the mom in this situation where you lived, you're, you don't feel like you belong. You, you feel embarrassed to be there. And I even remember one time when I actually had to go into a court environment to testify against my adoptive father about what had happened in the abuse. Um, her response to me was, "Oh, I'm so glad that we finally get revenge on him." So it wasn't even about her. You. It wasn't even about me. It was about her um, hating her ex-husband and her mental state of processing. She had no ability to actually care for me deeply. My moment of that was a very, that was a ground zero. Carrie Scott talks about ground zeros. That was a ground zero of not being seen, heard, or valued or cared for in a very vulnerable moment where I just testified against a person that was my father. And as broken as it was, that was my only world. And I felt more safe in that environment than going into the projects and the housing community that we were in with a woman who I didn't feel safe with because she used me as almost against. She was celebrating our pain. So that relationship ended also because you ended up in the foster care system. You left her house at what age? It was multiple times because the state's always trying to reconcile families. And the state by by far was saying this is a biological, this is an adoptive relationship on paper. So the state's always trying to reconcile and reestablish the home. So we would have meltdowns. She would have mental breakdown. And then I would get whisked out of my home and dropped into a foster home. Mm. And then therapy and counseling sessions would happen, and there there would be a period of six months to eight months. I would get reintegrated back into the exact same mess of this home because it wasn't a home. She was a hoarder. There was so much brokenness and so much mental um, instability that for me to be a young teenage girl in an environment where I actually need nurturing and healing, it wasn't about my years of sexual abuse with my adoptive father. It was at that point just surviving the the kind of the conditions of this another broken home. So it was almost a double whammy. I kind of left a traumatic, what was safe because it was predictable and it was my own little home isolated. Um, even though it had abuse, I don't want it all to discard that portion of the trauma. But when I was catapulted into another unstable or unstable environment, it became a second trauma of understanding who I was. And so we would go in and out of foster homes. And finally, my caseworker said, it's it's over. It's time to go to your forever family. Why? At that point, I was 14, and I was not being educated, so I didn't know how to read. I was so bright and willing to earn, you know, work and, and be in school, but they didn't recognize I wasn't getting the foundational elements that most kids are getting in those grades. And so circumstances of coming in and out of the home and going to different schools and finding my way, trying to connect with friends would always be ripped away from me. And I began being feeling like I was drowning feeling like that purpose that I felt early on, is it really going to happen? Where do I really belong? 
what is really my future? That became to be became a big part of the heaviness for the first time in all my life. Of all those circumstances I was in, I began to really feel the weight. Maybe, maybe there's not a future. Okay, so we're gonna stop here and you'll hear the rest of Lisa Kyle's story tomorrow where she finds her forever family and I want you to hear the redemption. But when when I look at Lisa, I mean, I see brightness, I see life, I see Christ, I see energy that comes from the throne room. I see creativity. I, I, I am often in wonder, and I'm not making that up, of the gifts inside of Lisa and the gift that Lisa is. And so when she unpacks her story, I mean, it's just my mind goes, wow, so much suffering, so much trauma, so much unrest when all we want for our kids is stability, right? We work so hard on stability and that they know who they are and that they're loved no matter what. She had the opposite of that through her upbringing, but God had his hand on her life. And we want you to hear what happened next in the story of Lisa Kyle. So make sure you listen to tomorrow's show. Thank you so much, Cure International, for making this show possible. You know, this show matches so much who Cure is because when kids are abused, because in the cases of Cure, they have a disability, they either can't walk or they can't speak because of a cleft palate or they have hydrocephalus, Cure comes alongside these families and says, we will help bring healing to your life and we will tell you who the healer really is. They introduce families to Jesus. And so thank you, Cure International, for making today's show possible. And thank you, Melanie Moritzky, for producing today's show. And please, please, please either come back tomorrow or go ahead and find tomorrow's show and listen to Lisa Kyle Part 2. Hashtag thanks for listening.